just before the book of the Revelation, you'll find the little book of Jude. Just one chapter, I don't even know if you call it a chapter, just one letter here, 25 verses. And I was praying today and asking the Lord about what He wanted for the service tonight, and He kept drawing my heart back to this, and I want to try my best to be obedient and do what the Lord has given me to do. I don't know how much preaching I'll do, but I want to look at these verses, just a few of them here, and uh, trust the Lord will help us together. The book of Jude, when you found your place, if you're able and willing to do so, we'll stand together out of reverence and honor to the reading of the Word of God. The book of Jude, I want to begin reading in verse number 17 and uh, read down to the end of the letter. The little letter, epistle of Jude, and verse number 17. But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves sensual, having not the Spirit. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference. And others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now unto Him that is able to keep you from falling, to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. I think the book of Jude, because of its size, is often overlooked. But it is in the Bible for a purpose. And here in the Scripture, we can look at verse number 1, and it gives us the writer and his purpose. He tells us that he is writing to them that are sanctified and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. So he's writing to those who are saved. And the predominant theme about the book of Jude is to contend for the faith. The reality is that there is an enemy and an adversary out there against us. We understand according to the Apostle Paul that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. I think we have mistaken the enemy and who the enemy is in our day. I think many of the people of God spend a lot of their time fighting against other people. And they fight against the church up the road or down the road. And that's not the will of God. But what we're fighting or striving or contending against is an adversary who is not flesh and blood. But Paul said we fight against principalities, against powers, 
against the rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. Now I think what Paul's trying to get them to understand in the book of Ephesians and here in Jude's little epistle and letter to the people of God is if we were fighting against flesh and blood, our own power would be sufficient. Our own strength, our own ability. But seeing as we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but against something and someone stronger than we are within ourselves, then our power is not sufficient for the battle. Our power, our ability, our know-how, our strategies are not sufficient for the fight that is at hand. I think that's why many of the people of God are discouraged. Why many of the people of God live defeated in their life is because they're trying to fight and resist and contend in their own might and in their own strength. And when you do that, you'll fall short every time. You'll feel defeated. You'll feel overcome. You'll feel as that servant did of Elisha that could not see that there were aids and help beyond this power, beyond this life. And he said, what will we do? I mean, he thought it was all over. And many of the people of God are spending their total existence, their entire Christian life without being able to see that there is a power at work in us that will aid us and allow us to overcome the adversary that we are fighting against. What we need in this day is the same experience that the servant of Elisha had. We need our eyes open and for God to allow us to see again the power that is at work in us. That's what the verse said. We quoted on Wednesday night. Now unto him that's able to do exceed and abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that worketh. That is a continual verb, a continual working inside the people of God the child of God and that is the power of the Holy Ghost that allows us to be an overcomer. That's what gives us the victory. That's according to the word of God. Thanks be unto God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that speaks not only of the completed work at Calvary and the fact that Christ got victory over sin but that he ascended back to the Father that he sat down in his position on high that the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost and now the children of God have been afforded with power to give us the victory in this day. Thank God for that. And so here Jude is uh, preaching and talking to the children of God about contending for the faith. And he gets down to the end of the letter and he begins to speak to them about the last time. And it seems like that many of the writers especially toward the end of the New Testament write about the last time. I understand and we've said it so many times you know it well that the term last days is a broad term or that actually the day of Pentecost ushered in the last days of the church. But you and I understand that we are in the last time. We are in the last days. And here as Jude writes to these that are called to these who are sanctified and preserved in Jesus about contending for the faith, about the battle that is at hand. He brings to their mind and calls up some things and encourages and exhorts them about some things to be aware of, to watch, to strive for in the last time. Someone said that this is, verses 17 through 25, is an exhortation 
or an encouragement written to the last day's church. I believe that's us. I think we are the last day's church. I believe we are the church living in the last times. And so here in the scripture, there are some things that Jude writes under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost that you and I need to hear and understand and ask God to help us take to heart and exhort us and encourage us in these last days. And Jude addresses the people that he's writing to uh, twice in these verses uh, that we read tonight as beloved. Uh, that's a term of endearment, a term of love, a term of compassion. He's not uh, preaching at them. He's preaching to them from a heart of love. He said, I love you and God loves you and this is what you need to hear and know in the last days. And the first thing he says is, beloved, remember. There are some things that you and I need to remember. And the thing he writes about remembering is what the apostles who have come before have said about the last days. I think what Jude, or at least how the Lord impressed it upon my heart, what Jude is saying is these days did not catch God by surprise. That before these days ever got here, God had already impressed upon the heart of his men and his servants and a right to the last day's church about what to expect in the last days. And sometimes I think it would do us good and would encourage us and admonish us to remember that these days in which we're living in did not catch God by surprise. But he wrote already about what would go on and what is going on. We read in the book of 1 Timothy about the last days and all the things that, Tim, that Paul wrote to Timothy about. How that men would be lovers of their own selves and they would be traitors and heady and high-minded that they would love pleasure more than they would love God. That there would be a time they would not endure sound doctrine but they would turn for their ears from the truth and be turned to fables. That they would heap to themselves teachers having itch and ears and all. They would resist the truth. That they would ever be learning but never able to come of the knowledge of the truth. Peter said that in the last days there would be scoffers walking after their own lust saying, where is the promise of His coming? For since our fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were since the beginning of time. And so we have to realize and understand that we are in the last days, but we're not in these days alone. Thank God tonight, the writer said, I have somebody with me all the way. He didn't say, I'll be with you till hard times come. He didn't say, I'll be with you up till the last days. But he said, I'll go with you all the way, even the end of the world. Thank God. And so there's some things we need to remember. He said, remember about these mockers, these deceivers. He said, they walk after their own lust. There's some things we need to be aware of in the last days. And see, what Jude says is they separate themselves. That they have no desire to be a part of the body. They have no desire to function in place. But the word separate, if you look it up in its original, it literally means to become disjointed. It means to have something out of place. 
And you know as well as I do, the body cannot function correctly when something is out of place. And that's all these mockers and false prophets and false teachers desire to do is to set the body in a place where it cannot function as it ought to function. And Jude said to remember them that they separate themselves, that they are sensual or they are carnal. And Jude said the number one characteristic of a false prophet, of a false teacher, of a mocker in the last days is that they have not the spirit, capital S. He did not say they didn't have a spirit. But he said they did not have the spirit. See, I'm afraid in these days that there are many people who are doing work in the name of religion who have a spirit, but they do not have the spirit. I'm afraid that there are many churches who have got caught up in a spirit, but it's not the spirit. Many churches have got caught up in the spirit of emotionalism, and that's not necessarily the Spirit. Just because someone preaches real loud does not mean they have the Spirit. Just because tears flow in the house of God does not necessarily mean that the Spirit is there. Just because they shout and hoop and holler does not necessarily mean that it is the Spirit. It is a Spirit. The Bible said there are many kinds of spirits. He said, John said, even the spirit of Antichrist is now at work. He said, so try the spirits. Use the discernment of the spirit to know whether or not it is the spirit or a spirit. And Jude said, we better understand that if they operate in any spirit other than the spirit, we better mark them and know that they are not the people that are pursuing the glory and the honor of God and the betterment of the church. That's right. Many operate in a spirit to push their own agenda. Many operate, and I'm trying to get off this and go on, but I feel compelled. Many operate in a spirit to make a name for themselves. They learn how to use these spirits. And if the spirit, now I'm going to tell you, and I'm just going to wait out here and say this. If it's not the spirit of God, then it must be a spirit of the devil. There's but one spirit of God, but there are many spirits of the devil. And I'm afraid that many things going on in the name of religion are operating under the influence and the power of an evil spirit in our day that has disguised itself. And the Bible said that it's no wonder that Satan can be transformed to seem as an angel of light. And that is what's going on in our day. And so Jude says you better remember that these mockers have not the Spirit. So he says, beloved, remember. Then he says in verse number 20, but ye beloved, building up yourselves. That does not mean to make a name for yourself. That does not mean to let everybody know who you are. Or to feel like you have something to offer. But the word build up means to fortify. It means to protect. 
It means to get ready for battle. And here Jude says that you will build up yourself on your most holy faith. And so the only way that we can fortify ourselves is for us to receive that power from another world. Because we are building up, we are fortifying, we are strengthening, we are reaffirming, we are reassuring ourselves on our most holy faith, which we understand that faith is not of man, it's not of works, it is a gift of God. None of us can have faith apart from God. He imparts it and we partake of it as a gift from God. And the only way to build up yourself and to prepare yourself for these last days is upon the holy faith that is given given unto you by God. And he said praying, now isn't this interesting, he said in verse 19 that these mockers don't have the Spirit, capital S. Man, in verse number 20, he said, but you and I have the Spirit. If you're saved by the grace of God, you have the Spirit of God. The Bible said as many as are led, by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And so he says we are to pray in the Holy Ghost. Now, that's not something that's mentioned very much in our day. If we do hear about anything operating in the Holy Ghost, the majority of the time is focused on preaching in the Holy Ghost, which it does take. There is no preaching apart from preaching in the Holy Ghost. But here Jude says that we, not the preachers, not the elders, not a select few, and I keep coming back to that, but God keeps pushing in my heart to let you know that He is writing to all the saved that they are to pray in the Holy Ghost. Now there is some things that this means. There are some things that this does not mean. Praying in the Holy Ghost does not mean you go to your prayer place and hoop and holler like a preacher and that qualifies you as praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Holy Ghost is not some show or a form or fashion. But praying in the Holy Ghost is literally... Allowing the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, the indweller that we talked about on Wednesday night that's living inside of you to allow Him to direct the way you pray. Allowing Him to speak through you. Allowing Him to be... Now we looked uh, Wednesday night that He is the intercessor. And there are times we don't even know what to pray or what words to say. And thank God the Spirit make an intercession with groanings which cannot be uttered. But in order for us to pray in the Holy Ghost, it's that we resign our will, our wants, our wishes and allow the Holy Ghost to speak and communicate and plead through us for what we are in need of. He's the comforter. That word means He's the aider. He's the one to give strength, to succor us, to establish us. And so He knows what we have need of. And to pray in the Holy Ghost is to allow the Spirit of God to speak out of us and to the Father to obtain what we need to contend for the faith. That's right. Have you ever went to pray and got down and said, Lord, 
I don't even know what to pray or what to say or what to ask for. Have you ever asked God? I'm just preaching to us tonight just at where we're living. Have you ever asked God to pray for you? Have you ever asked God to pray through you? Have you ever asked God to give you the words to say back to Him? Have you ever prayed in the Holy Ghost? Have you ever went to pray and when you went or as you were going or even as you were kneeling, you had no idea what you were going to say? You just knew there was a need, a void, a, 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 a problem in your life that needed the work of God. You didn't even know how to address it. You didn't even know what to ask Him for. And then you come to yourself a few minutes or 30 minutes or an hour later, you don't know what you've said, but you know that your soul has been in connection with God and something in you greater than you has risen up and spoke out of you. Maybe not even words that can be heard audibly with these ears, but you know without a doubt that someone inside you spoke up with words you didn't even know what to say to ask for help for the problem you didn't know how to handle. That's praying in the Holy Ghost. Now I'm going to tell you something about praying and I'm no expert. I need to, I'm a student of it and need to learn more and more and more about it. But praying is a, an absolute necessity. For the child of God. I'm not up here tonight to tell you to forsake Bible study. I'm not up here tonight to tell you to forsake devotion. But if there's one thing you better guard as a child of God, it is your prayer life with God. You cannot function properly without a purposeful prayer life in the Spirit with God. There are times in our life that we purpose to pray, that we have a need, and we know that our needs can only be met by going to God, and so we purpose it in ourselves to go pray. There are times that we pray and we feel like we get through, and I, if you have ever prayed and felt like you've got through, I don't have to spend a lot of time tonight defining to you what it means to pray through. If you've ever done it, you know what I'm talking about. And there are times you feel like your prayers don't get any higher than your head. And if they do get higher than your head, they just bounce off of whatever ceiling's above you and come right back down. And if you've ever been there, you know what I'm talking about. And when we purpose in ourselves to pray, we're to go in faith believing that God will hear us. Now, as we're going, we don't know. As we go to pray, when we have purpose to pray, we don't know whether we will have the experience of praying through or the experience of feeling like our words didn't get any higher in our head. We don't know that. We hope for the first experience. We hope it'll pray through. We have confidence of the Bible said because we have a high priest over the house of God. We can come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. The access of the avenue, the way in has been made possible by Christ and Christ alone. We understand that. But I wonder tonight, have you ever had God pull you to pray. Have you ever been going down the road or laying in the bed or going about your day 
and you feel like a door in heaven swings open and God says, why don't you come and tell me what you need to tell me. If I had any advice for you as your pastor, I wouldn't put it off. I wouldn't wait five minutes. I wouldn't get done with what I was doing. I wouldn't finish to where I was driving to. I wouldn't care if I was going to be 30 minutes late or to whatever appointment I was going to. I would begin right then. I wouldn't even wait to pull off the side of the road. I wouldn't take the next intersection. I wouldn't take the next exit. I wouldn't finish the task at hand and then find somewhere along the way. I'd begin then and let God direct me. If He has opened the door to you, he has given you a special privilege and a special opportunity and access to come unto Him and tell Him what you need by the help and aid of the Holy Ghost. And I've been far enough down the road to to know and understand. My experiences with that have not been as many as I'd like for it to be and that's nobody's fault but my own. But I have learned enough to know that if God ever swings the door open, there's no hoping maybe that He hears you. There's no debate whether or not you'll get a hold of Him or not. There's no fear about your prayer not getting higher than your head. If He ever swings the door of heaven open and tells you to tell Him everything that's wrong in you, He's already been in contact with that holy power dwelling inside of you. And He knows and understands that if you'll come at His bidding, and come when he says come that that one greater than you that's living inside you will rise up above the flesh above all trouble above all doubt above all circumstance above all storm and tell him what he needs to be told concerning you and that's how we build ourselves up that's how we fortify ourselves is when with that holy intercessor living inside of us. I thought about, and I love that old song, and every time I hear it or every time I think about it, just because of her impact and seeing her in service and being in service with her many times, that old song that says, I can call Jesus anytime. I'm glad I can. I'm glad he's always on the line. But I'm going to tell, and as blessed as a privilege as it is, to be able to telephone him through the aid of the Spirit of God anytime. What a blessing. But I'm going to tell you something that outweighs that. It's when he takes the initiative and dials our number to us. And he picks up the phone first and calls to us. All he wants you to do, I'm telling you right tonight, I understand enough to know all he wants you to do when he rings your number is to pick up the phone. If you'll take the first step, if you'll just pick up the phone and say it's me again, Lord, he'll take the rest. The Holy Spirit will speak through you and you will experience what you meant by praying in the Holy Ghost. It ought to be the desire of the child of God every time he prays to pray in the Holy Ghost. 
And I understand it won't be every time. And I'm not justifying that. We get busy and that's no excuse. Oh, we have so many weights and distractions and that's no excuse. Oh, but it ought to be our desire every time oh, that we have true communion and fellowship with God oh, that He allows us to pray to Him in the Holy Ghost. And this ability to pray in the Holy Ghost is not reserved for preachers. It's not reserved for just the men of the church. It's not reserved for the elders of the church. Anybody that's saved and indwelt by the Holy Ghost has the access and the ability if God will help you to pray to Him in the Holy Ghost. And as we pray in the Holy Ghost, it's no coincidence that Jude writes to this last day's church and he does not say Though they are good things, Jude does not say that to build ourselves up we preach in the Holy Ghost or listen to preaching in the Holy Ghost or testify in the Holy Ghost or sing in the Holy Ghost. But he says to pray in the Holy Ghost. That's a personal, intimate, one-on-one connection and the most intimate relationship that you can enjoy as a child of God. With God is a time of prayer when you pray in the Holy Ghost. And if you pray in the Holy Ghost, it will bleed over and you'll testify in the Holy Ghost and you'll sing in the Holy Ghost and preachers will preach in the Holy Ghost if they can pray in the Holy Ghost. That is right. I'm glad I know that's right. God, I'm glad I know what I'm preaching about tonight, not because I am somebody special. Well, I guess it really is because I'm His. That makes me special. And if you're saved, you're special too because you belong to Him. And you have that indweller living inside you. Have you ever prayed and had God speak to you? Do you understand tonight that prayer's not one-sided? No, 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 prayer's not one-sided. Prayer's not for us to spend all the time on our knees telling God about everything. We must take that time to do that, but there ought to be some time reserved that we stop and are quiet and silent and see if just maybe God has something to say in return unto us. I'm glad he can speak without you ever speaking a word. He knows the trouble of your heart. I learned it's not been too long ago. But it's a blessed day in my life. And I'm not going in me. I'm just telling you about what God's done. It's a blessed day in my life that I got beyond formalism in prayer. I'm afraid many of the people of God don't pray in the Holy Ghost because we're too wrapped up in formalism. We think we got to be in a certain place and be in a certain way. Bowed on knee and heads bowed and eyes closed. I prayed and got help from God driving down the road at work. And I've been able to separate myself but feel the joy bells of heaven ringing in my soul and the Holy Ghost are testifying unto me that God's hearing everything I've had to say. God can speak to you and let you know that He's heard your prayer. And He can give you faith to believe that even though He ain't done yet what you asked Him to do, but that He has heard your prayer that He will do it and you can believe Him and take it to the bank just as real as if you saw Him do what you asked with your own eyes. 
He can take all your doubts, all your fears, all your dreads, all your worries, all your sorrow, all your suffering. With just one word from Him, He can take it all away. I told the story. It's not been that long ago and I've already told it here once but I feel like I need to tell it again and I, I think I'm about done. And I remember the first of the year I was called, had been called and asked to come preach at a church I'd never preached at. I didn't know the pastor. I'd only met him one time in service and that was really quick. I didn't know anybody there with the exception of some people that had come from other churches. Some people from here had come and, and some others, some, some ladies that I'd preached uh, revivals before at their church. Some of them were there and I recognized them. But as far as anybody else in the building, I didn't know anybody. And I pulled up in the parking lot and I'd already all day just had an uneasiness. I'd prayed and studied and felt like I knew what the Lord wanted me to preach, but I was so uneasy. And that is a reality for us sometimes as a people of God. And our lives would get uneasy and unsettled. All kinds of doubts. And I knew it wasn't about making a name for me. It wasn't about people being impressed. I wanted God to do the work. And I said, Lord, I can't do this. If you don't help me, I can't do this. And I just kept, I never said it. I don't think I ever said it audibly. I don't think I ever said it out loud, but in my spirit, I said, Lord, if you don't help me, if you're not going to help me, I just seem not even get up tonight. I don't even want to try it. If you're not going to help me, I don't even want to preach. And I mean, I was in a pretty bad way, just to be honest between me and you. The preacher said, all you men, let's go to the prayer room. I said, okay, I'll go. I thought, Lord, I don't know what to say when I get down in here. I'm just going to tell you the same thing my heart's been telling you all day and all evening is if you don't help me, I don't want to preach. I can't do this without you. And they took prayer requests. and He called on some old man to pray. And I don't mean that disrespectful. I don't know him. He's just an older gentleman in the, in the room there. And I don't know, I don't have a clue what he said. I know we went to bow on our knees and before I could ever get a word out, not one word, the Lord said to me, as real as if any of you had ever said anything, He said, I will help you tonight. And that's all He said. But that was enough. I don't know that I prayed. I wept and I rejoiced. And I went back to my seat and I sat there and I sat through singing that was good, but I couldn't wait. And I'm not boasting in me, but there was something in me. I, I'd have preached or died that night because I knew I'd touched heaven. But more importantly than that, I knew heaven had touched me. And I thank God for the atmosphere and the relationship that's birthed in praying in the Holy Ghost. And He did help me that night. And I had great liberty to preach. And the altars were filled. It was as easy. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm just going to confess and tell you the truth tonight. I don't go many places, very, very few, that it's as easy for me to preach as it is to preach here. And I thank God for the liberty and the easiness to preach. But I'm a nervous wreck 
Most places I go because I've not preached in many places that I've preached that's been as easy as here. But I'm going to tell you that night and it didn't have anything to do with the place. It didn't have anything to do with the preacher. It didn't have anything to do with me. It didn't have anything to do with the people from here that had come. It didn't have anything to do that my wife was there. It didn't have anything to do that the church was full. It didn't have anything to do that it was revival time. It's just that the God of heaven had communicated with me in prayer and let me know his hand of mercy and his hand of grace and his holy power was going to help me that night and he came through on his word. Very few times in my ministry can I remember there have been a lot of times that I've got up scared to death and I'm about scared to death every time I get up and you ought to be I think there ought to be a reverence and a respect and a fear about standing behind this place and handling this word and dealing with eternal things with the people of God. And they've been several times I could tell you about that literally, literally, my knees were knocking and my hands were shaking and I took my text and began to read and all of it went away and the Lord come through and helped me. But there's very few times I can remember standing up from my seat with no fear, with boldness inside me, not because of who I am or that I thought I could handle it, but the God of heaven had let me know But that was one of them nights. And I'll never forget it as long as I live and have my right mind. There was no fear in me to stand. There was no fear in me to call the text. There was no fear in me to preach. There was no fear in me to do what God said to do because God had assured me He was going to help me. And what I'm preaching about tonight is not reserved for me because I'm a preacher or a pastor or a man. But it is available and accessible to every child of God that you can pray in the Holy Ghost. And in doing so, there is a comma. After this, it goes on. These are a sequence of events that you cannot do one without the other that you must have holy faith imparted to you by God to pray in the Holy Ghost that to keep yourself that word keep means to attend to to guard or to keep your eye on it deals with your focus that for your focus to be right it hinges on you praying in the Holy Ghost looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that is His coming Him coming to get us that we sung about tonight. The mercy of God that it will be far better than this. And he said, And of some have compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. It's not us that's doing the saving. It's us that's praying in the Holy Ghost and operating under the leadership and the direction of the Holy Ghost and God knowing what it's going to take to touch hearts of all kinds and doing His work through us when we're obedient and submissive unto Him. For some, God knows it'll take compassion and love to touch their hearts. And others, God knows it'll take them quaking with holy fear to get them the place that He can save them. We just need to do our part, pray in the Holy Ghost, stay submissive and sensitive unto God, follow His direction, and leave it with Him. We're to hate the garment spotted by the flesh. And then Jude reminds them, lastly, and I'm done, now unto Him. That is able. I could stop right there and be done and it'd be a blessing. I'm glad he's able. 
all these things that Jude has talked about. Building up ourselves, praying in the Holy Ghost, keeping ourselves, looking for the mercy of God, having compassion, making a difference, touching others with fear. None of this is possible without Him. And so Jude says, Now unto Him that is able to keep you from falling, to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God and our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. I think in these few verses, there are some great truths and help for the people of God living in the last days. And I think the greatest emphasis tonight of the Spirit of God in the message has been that you and I need It's not just that we should, but we need, we desperately need to pray in the Holy Ghost. To allow the Holy Ghost, that leader, that guider, that teacher, that intercessor, that indweller, to lead us not just in our walk and our talk, but when we have that holy time of communion between us and God, it ought to be Him, that power in us, leading the way into the throne of grace and giving us the boldness and the access to come to Him and tell Him what we need. I encourage you to seek God to help you pray in the Holy Ghost. I encourage you to strive in your prayer life to not get discouraged when you go and it doesn't happen. Don't beat yourself up and give up, but go back again. And if it don't happen the next time, go back again. Until you come to that place where the door of heaven swings open and that power inside you rises up and puts a straight communication and connection between you and another world. And He allows you to pray in the Holy Ghost. I'd seek it. I'd press for it. I'd push for it. Until God did it in my life. If you've never done it before, I'd seek it. Until I could say I had. If you have done it before and it's been a while, I'd seek it again. Until I felt that blessedness and that joy and that peace that flows in my soul happen all over again when I know that that one inside me has touched heaven for me. Gone beyond my ability, beyond my power, beyond my comprehension. He can do it for you, child of God. I'd seek it for myself. I would push for it, press for it. I'd plead for it. Every time I went to pray, if I didn't get in then, I'd end my praying with God, help me the next time to get in. And if I didn't get in the next time, I'd plead for it again and again and again until I felt satisfied. You won't have to come to me on the next Sunday night or Wednesday night and say, Preacher, I need to talk to you about what happened and ask me if you've prayed in the Holy Ghost. If you've prayed in the Holy Ghost, you'll know it. There won't be no, you won't have to ask your husband, won't have to ask your wife, won't have to ask me, won't have to take somebody else's opinion. If you've done it, you'll know it. And if you ever do it, you'll never be satisfied till you do it again. That's how it works with feeling the working of the Holy Ghost in you. Anything you have ever done, and I'm trying to quit and I can't. Every, anything you have ever done in the Holy Ghost, you'll never be satisfied doing it any other way ever again. 
If you've ever sung and knew that the Holy Ghost was touching you while you were singing, you'll never be satisfied singing any other way but in the Holy Ghost. If you've ever testified with the touch of the Holy Ghost, you'll never be satisfied ever again without the touch of the Holy Ghost. And if you've ever prayed in the Holy Ghost, you'll never be satisfied with anything else but praying in the Holy Ghost. And I'll say as a preacher for preachers, if you've ever preached in the Holy Ghost, you'll certainly not be satisfied with anything else but to preach in the Holy Ghost. To know beyond doubt that God the Father has given us through the work of God the Son, has given us an indwelling of God the Spirit, and that He... Now I'm talking about preaching here for a minute, but I'm going to go on to pray and then I'm going to be done, I think. But that while you're standing up here and preaching that the Holy Ghost is taking your heart and linking it with somebody else and pulling y'all together under the leadership of God and He's literally taking the words He's putting in you and putting them in somebody else. That's a work that cannot be done without the Holy Ghost. And it's the same in praying when you have confidence that God the Holy Ghost has taken every word that comes out of your mouth or comes in your heart even them you can't say and He's bottling all them up and transporting them Himself into the throne room of heaven and giving them to the Father and saying this is every word that He or she is having to say that there's nothing else like it in the world. And I'd push for it until I satisfied I got there to pray in the Holy Ghost. Father, I thank you tonight. Lord, for this great privilege. What a blessing, Lord, it's been.